It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> Is this what we're doing in this movie? How does he keep those sunglasses on his head? He has no nose. I've never heard a rhythmic dog. Quarantine is treating you well. We are rationing our snacks and therefore it takes us less time to get tipsy off alcohol. <laughs> Which we're also rationing. Yeah. We needed a strong a strong dose today, I think. I think so too. This is, you might be surprised that we're doing a Harry Potter episode. Mm-hmm. But we all know there's like a, a, a black sheep in the Harry Potter <laughs> movie franchise, and right? We all know it. We do. It, it's taboo to talk about it. But everyone remembers going to the theater to see this movie when they were a kid and just thinking, something's different at Hogwarts. Like, why is the vibe so off? Yeah. Why is the soundtrack completely fucking different? Yeah. 2004 was a weird time. Yes, it was. 2020 is a weird time. Mm -hmm. I think it's time we revisit Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Jazkaban. It's time. Yeah. How, How old were you when this movie came out? Oh, geez, 2004, I would have been nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I started reading the Harry Potter books when I was four. And so I assume you had read The Prisoner of Azkaban, which is what the book's called. Yes, I had read that, so I was a little bit surprised when the poster was released for the film at my local cinema. Um, they'd put the posters out like about a week before the, the film came yeah. out, out on the walls outside. And... When it was released, it was called The Prisoner of Jazz Caban. And that was perplexing for me. Even at nine, I thought something's off here. Yeah. And I thought this might be a, a Philosopher's Stone, Sorcerer's Stone sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Like the first one. Um, in the oh, U- right, that it was called Azkaban in the UK and Jazz Caban in North America? Yeah, well, it's not North America. It would be just um, the United States of America. Because, for example, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Philosopher's Stone in Canada. Gotcha. Sorcerer's Stone in the United States. Because Canadians know how to read. This is true. Compared to how the Americans don't know how to do anything. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that that's the case, but that was, you know, the jokes we were making at the time. And w- jokes we in Canada were making as well. Don't want to be an American idiot. Curse or Blast doesn't endorse this attitude. No. But this was what was prevailing at the this time, was so the I attitude. can see how you came to that conclusion. And I do remember when, um, I think it was the Half-Blood Prince that came out. My father was coming back from a business trip in the States, and he was going to buy me a copy of the book. It was the night of the midnight release. He was mm-hmm. going to stop at a bookshop and buy me the book. And I told him, you have to cross the border before you buy it, because they change shit in the American copies. And he crossed the border... And bought it at a bookshop in, I think, Windsor, Ontario. And he called me, and I could hear the Harry Potter theme music playing in the background. Mm. Um, from the first two movies, obviously, not from Jazz Caban, which changed things up a little bit. Right. But we'll talk about that later. Um, and he called me to say that he was the only one at the book launch not wearing a cloak, and he felt very uncomfortable. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> but he did buy me the book on the Canadian mm. side of the border. So, yes, all that to say... Um, because American Studios made the movies, they went with the American titles for the books. So I was a little surprised, but I did think it was a bit of a Philosopher's Stone, Sorcerer's Stone situation. Gotcha. Well, no, it was Jazzkaban in the UK. Too. Well, it's the same movie. Yeah. It's just the directional choices, some of the casting decisions, the soundtrack. Oh, it was just weird all around. I don't know what had caused it, because I thought the first two Harry Potter movies were like a financial success. I did as well. But we were quite young, so maybe... Yeah. I wasn't too confused because I hadn't read the Harry Potter books at this point in time. I was just watching the movies. Mm -hmm. So I thought this is just the natural progression of things. Yeah, I'd never been so jarred by such a a, a tonal change in a movie series before. Mm -hmm. People were always talking about how they they were throwing a curveball in the penultimate Star Wars movie. Yeah. And then it went back to being shit like it always is. Mm. We'll have a Star Wars discussion (laughs) on a later day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but this felt different. This this was... I mean, 
Everyone knows that after the first two Harry Potter movies, they got a new director. They recast Dumbledore. And the, the tone shifted significantly. The kids aged up a little bit. They were starting to look like teenagers. The aesthetic was a little darker. Yep. Yeah. Um, even the setting changes a little bit where stuff is placed in the, the grounds of Hogwarts and mm-hmm. that sort of thing is a little bit different. So they were really trying to break away from the previous two movies. And I, I wonder if maybe they took it a little bit too far because yeah. they did ultimately claw this back yes. in later films. Exactly. There's not any jazz in the other films. No, none. Um, there's no jazz at all in The Goblet of Fire yeah. or Order of the Phoenix, uh, the two follow-up films to this. Uh, in fact, they act as though jazz does not exist in this universe at all. Which is probably for the best. Probably for the best, and it is probably for the best that they recast Dumbledore again. They recast him again. Right, who was the guy who ended up finally playing Dumbledore? Um, Michael Gambon? Yeah, he was actually quite good. Yeah. Yeah, It's a shame that he wasn't in the Prisoner of Jazkaban. Yeah. Uh, But I suppose we'll get to that. Yeah, maybe we should talk about the plot of the Prisoner of Jazkaban, which Um. is real similar to the Prisoner of Azkaban, but they've made some changes. They have. If you haven't read the books, but you have watched the movies, yeah, just... Now might be the time to just, like, check Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. It's a bit different. It, it is. It's, it's a bit different to really what we come to expect from the Harry Potter universe, but there is still some of that, that good structure. That it's The Harry Potter books do have a, a backbone, and the films follow this backbone uh, that goes through all of them, and it's that we start at the Dursleys. Yep. Um, with Harry having pretty much a shit time. Yeah. Um, and then something happens and then Harry ends up at Hogwarts. Yes. And I know it's a very simple structure but it works. It's a good formula. It grounds us in the real world and then we move into the magical world. And the book's usually about chapter four. Yeah. Um, And it makes it, it's quite nice footing for people who've not watched the Harry Potter movies before but are maybe like taking their kids there mm -hmm. or you know just trying to get into it just to, to settle into the vibe. And, and this one is no different, but there is, you get a hint of what's coming as, so at the beginning of this movie, Harry is again at the, his aunt and uncle's house, uh, number four Privet Drive, and his uncle Vernon's sister, Petunia, is visiting. Um, no, yes. The sister. Yeah, but not called Petunia, that's oh, his wife. Oh, Petunia's his wife. What <laughs> the fuck is her name? Marge. Marge. Um, she Homer. Blows. She blows up. Um, Harry, Harry and Marge don't get along. Mm -hmm. Um, Marge starts insulting Harry's dead parents. Like, who does that? Come on. (laughs) Come on, Marge. Come on, Marge. And she also starts saying stuff like, ragtime is shit. It's a shit genre of music. I hate ragtime. (laughs) That really pisses Harry off. Yeah, he gets really angry. And we know Harry as a connoisseur of the genre. Um, he starts getting mad and the music starts to pick up but as the music starts to pick up there's like a Victrola in the background that's playing just ragtime ragtime and it gets faster and faster yeah as Marge begins to inflate literally like it, it's quite horrific I think you said when we were watching this would be terrifying if this happened in real and life. no one seems to react it's like the rest of Harry's family's like oh some magic shit again <laughs> The magical ragtime shit. Yeah. But they don't really react very strongly. They just let no, this woman just... inflate. <laughs> A little bit like, oh. <laughs> that's kind of all we oh, get no, from Oh no, Harry, them. what did, oh no. And she she inflates like a balloon and floats out the the conservatory into the back garden and then like out into the sky. All this time the record is playing faster and faster and faster jazz in the background. Yeah. And this is really the beginning of the tonal shift we see because the, the music is so different than the other film. Yeah. And then in fact when we cut to the title screen, instead of the usual, you know, the words appearing and then mm-hmm. it's fully Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. Yeah. Where's the Harry Potter? We don't hear the theme song at all for Harry Potter. It's like, you know, straight up. It's so weird. Yeah. It's like, is this what we're doing in this movie? And it turns out, yes, this is what we're doing. Imagine not having read the book. 
Prisoner yeah. of Azkaban. And going straight from the second movie to the third movie. Okay, this is weird from the, from the get-go. Imagine having read the book. You get no sense that this might right. happen. Did it feel like a betrayal? It felt like a betrayal. I wanted the Harry Potter theme. I was, like, I was there for the, the record playing in the background. I thought it was an interesting auditory motif, but when the theme was supplanted, I began to get concerned. Yeah. And really, it only, it only get more jazzy from there. Jazzier and jazzier. Yeah. I jazzed in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Except I didn't, because it was 2004. <laughs> but I did the other night. Jazzed right in there. <laughs> I'm delirious because this movie was nuts. It was. It was wild. It's always weird to revisit this one because it's just off. Yeah, and and some of you may not even remember the offness of it because I know in my head it was much closer to the book than it actually was. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just that the the Prisoner of Azkaban was my favorite of the books, and I think it it was. A lot of people's favorites. Yeah. It was really tight, concise storytelling, great world building, etc. But I think it was it was very exposition heavy. And um, I wonder if that's what led the filmmakers to try and add this gimmick to it. Yeah, maybe that's why they added... Because it's, it's a really heavy gimmick. And the plot is very similar. It's just everyone, everything's made kind of jazzy. Yeah. And we, we, we get it again right in the face as soon as we start at Hogwarts where there's a choir um, singing, but they've got a set of, like, pen saxophones. Yeah! And they're also, some of them are holding toads, and the toads have saxophones. Yeah! And shades yeah. as well. And there's one kid from Hufflepuff just scatting in the corner <laughs> just like some scat man kid i feel like we're, we're jumping we're jumping ahead a little bit here uh because bef- before harry gets to hogwarts he uh oh you're right he goes he goes to uh Diagon Alley. he escapes his house knowing he's gonna get in like big trouble which obviously you would if you've blown up your aunt mm-hmm. and takes the night bus uh which is a wizard bus service to Diagon Alley, Diagon Alley uh, where he reunites with his friends Ron and Hermione. Yeah, and then Ron's dad tells Harry a really important piece of exposition, mm-hmm. which I always find real funny because <laughs> it's like Ron's like, Ron's dad is like, Harry, come over here. I need to tell you something. I hope you're emotionally prepared to hear this, but you're going to get murdered. <laughs> you will die by slicing. <laughs> it will be painful. <laughs> and a known murderer will do it <laughs> but here's the thing okay so what's going on here is there's this murderer on the loose presumed murderer serious black and harry is told by ron's dad like the full backstory here and like the backstory about like how harry's parents died is real different in this movie to how it is in the books because he's like harry as you know your parents died when a voldemort broke into your parents' house and bludgeoned them to death with an alto saxophone. <laughs> and then he almost killed you, but he actually just like scratched the scar into your head with a splintered saxophone reed. And Harry's like, yes, I do remember that. <laughs> That's not That's how not, it happens in the book. It's not the backstory, and it's not the backstory for any of the other movies. Voldemort doesn't know how to play a saxophone, does he? <laughs> no, I don't think we have any evidence of that. He never plays it again. Except in the flashback shown in this moment. Yeah. And, like, how does he keep those sunglasses on his head? He has no nose. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. And Mr. Weasley just drops this information, and Harry's like, yeah, yeah. Daniel Radcliffe, what an actor. Yeah. He knows that he's been dicked around here. He does. And he keeps a straight face. Yeah, absolutely. But there's this this murderer. Serious Black. Serious Black is on the loose. Where is he on the loose from? Prison called... Jazkaban! <laughs> Sirius Black has escaped from Jazkaban. Sirius was my favorite character when I was a kid. Yeah. In the book or in this in this strange jazz movie? <laughs> in the book. I I had a bit of a harder time with him in this jazz movie because he spends so much of it scouting. He speaks in this sort of rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. Everything he says. Even when he's in his dog form. Yeah. He's scatting and I don't understand. I've never heard a rhythmic dog. I think it's just a bit excessive. (laughs) You're right. It's fucking nuts. 
this beloved children's book really needed a gimmick to make it marketable to the masses. And if you were going to pick a gimmick to market a children's book, would you pick jazz? Was jazz popular in 2004? I mean, I was only nine, so I wasn't exactly up with the trends, maybe. Uh, what was the me- I'm just going to Google what was the best-selling hit of 2004. Mm. I bet it was some R&B thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah by Usher, Burn by Usher, mm-hmm. This Love by Maroon 5. Oh, yeah. This love has... Taking this toll on me, she said goodbye <laughs> too many times before. Uh, there is something in me, <laughs> and I have no choice, cause I won't say goodbye anymore. That's not jazz. Oh, hey y'all, my outcast. <laughs> hey, that was good. That was good. That was one of my favorite songs of all time, but none of it jazz. No. So I don't understand. What was the rationale? Were they trying to hit maybe the more artsy and refined audience with this like mass market film? Why do you need to? I don't it's know. Harry Potter. Everyone wants to watch Harry Potter movies. It's true. They haven't like it's not like they've put a jazz bend on Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Mm-hmm. Even though that takes place in the twenties. Yeah, they could have used... Wait, is it still in the 20s or... Well, whatever. Jazz definitely no, is popular. No, it's in the right? interwar period, so it would have been a, like a little later, I think. Still jazz times, though. Still jazz times. I think Fantastic Beasts could have used a little jazz. But no, they chose to use all the jazz stocks in the Prisoner of Jazkaban. Yeah. So not only a serious black, a scat man, mm-hmm. who can also turn into a dog, Yeah. but we don't know this at this point, who is a murderer, according to Mr. Weasley. Yeah. He's also escaped from a high-security jazz prison. Mm-hmm. Which differs from a regular prison in that... It's guarded by Dementors, mm-hmm. which are very scary in the books. Yeah. These soul-sucking demons that stop prisoners getting out. They're a little like the Ringwraiths in Lord of the Rings, if you've read that. Just sort of black-cloaked figures, yeah. big sort of gaping, toothy mouths, no eyes or other features to speak of. But I do think the fear is somewhat mitigated by those saxophones. Every single Dementor has a saxophone. Yeah. And it's just freestyling on each saxophone all the time. Okay. I want to give credit for artistic flair. I do. It's a, it's a bold choice. Mm-hmm. And I want to reward filmmakers for making bold choices with the source material. You shouldn't be beholden or shackled to the source material when you're making an adaptation but I just have to ask myself what the purpose of that was. Because mm-hmm. in the book, the Dementors often sneak up on people, but in the film, you can hear the music. You can hear them coming a mile off. Yeah, because they're playing those goddamn saxophones. And each of them are playing a different tune to a different rhythm. It's just a cacophony of saxophone noise. Yeah. And the first time we see this is the audience is when they're on the Hogwarts Express on the way to Hogwarts and uh, the train stops all of a sudden but for the last two minutes of discussion we've been hearing this like crescendo of saxophone noises some of them have clarinets Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a couple have oboes most have saxophones Um, and so it's not a surprise that something is something Wicked this way comes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they they enter the train, these floating demons, and they start sucking out the souls of some of the children. And the way this works is that they'll start playing a saxophone in your face. Then your face will start getting sucked into, not the mouth of the Dementor, but the tube of the saxophone. Yeah, they'll go right into the bell at the bottom there. Yeah. yeah. Which is horrifying. It is. Really. I mean, it's not good to have your soul sucked out no matter what, but in the book they do go directly into the Dementor's mouth, so this is a bit of a chain. I think it would actually be scarier. I wish I'd seen what they would have done, like, if they had the face go into the mouth, because I think that that actually would have been scary. Yeah, I think it would have been nightmare-inducing. Yeah, because I think if my soul was being sucked into a demon via a saxophone, there's room to escape. Mm, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's so many holes in a sax. You might not know this, Shannon, but I learned to play the saxophone for like a year at school. I learned to play the saxophone at school. I wasn't very good at it because I was A, allergic to the wooden reeds, mm-hmm. and I had like a scar on my chin mm-hmm. from um, from the reeds, and I looked like Tutankhamun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got like a little chin thing that goes mm-hmm. down. And I was trying to learn jazz, but the teacher that we had at the school was trying to make me learn like classical music and she was teaching me like basic stuff too like when they say it's go marching in but I was trying to add a jazz beat and she was like don't try to add a, add a jazz beat when you don't understand jazz beat and I think I'd just gotten cocky because I'd seen this movie that yeah. was my only real exposure to jazz before those lessons it's true it is it's super tempting to just get in on it I, I did the saxophone for a little bit then I switched to the flute um but I think the re- what drew me to the saxophone in the beginning was the Dementors, mm-hmm. freestyle jazz. Yeah. Which happens through the film. So the Dementors have been hired by Dumbledore to surround the whole of Hogwarts. No, they've been stationed there by the Minister for Magic. Oh, Dumbledore, Dumbledore does not choose. want them there. No. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. They're, they're protecting Hogwarts from Sirius Black, who is at large. And... That's fine, but can you imagine if there's these, like, demons floating around your school and each of them has a saxophone? You're gonna hear it all the time. It's really not, it's really not conducive to studying. No. To be hearing the beats of discordant jazz music in the background. I mean, it was distracting enough just watching the film. I can't imagine what it would be like to actually try to do work in that environment. And yet it didn't seem to bother any of the kids. No, they just went about their lives. So when they get to the school, here's the weird thing. Everyone watching this movie is excited to see the new Dumbledore. Because a previous Dumbledore actor sadly died after the second film. So they had to cast another Dumbledore and you'd think they'd go for another old guy but they made the weirdest the weirdest choice it was bizarre like so weird for 2004 remember they chose Ryan Gosling and who would choose Ryan Gosling as Dumbledore especially at this stage in his career quite a young dude yeah and they they aged him up with makeup but like old actors exist yeah and he had he kept his American accent. Yeah, well, he's Canadian, isn't he? he yeah, kept his North American accent. He did. And they gave him this backstory that just didn't make sense for Dumbledore. So, like Dumbledore's deal in this is that he moved to Hogsmeade to develop his career as a wizard teacher slash jazz pianist. And at first, he wanted to start his own club. In the Leaky Cauldron. No, mm-hmm. not in the whatever. What's yeah, it called? The Hogshead? The Hogshead. The pub in, in Hogsmeade. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he sold out because John Legend came to him and said, do you want to start this jazz pop band? And Dumbledore said yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he broke up with his girlfriend and there was a huge fight. And then he realised the error of his ways and decided to actually you know, start and make his own piano jazz club in Hogsmeade. Um, there's so many things up with this. First of all, Dumbledore's gay. Yeah. So why in this flashback do, do we see... First of all, why do we need a Dumbledore flashback? Why do we need this? It lasts like a whole, like, 20 minute, like, sequence. It's so much of the film, and it's so unnecessary to any of the plot. It's so unnecessary. They even ca- Now this is unbelievable. I had to Google this because I wasn't sure it was her. It definitely was her. His girlfriend in this is Emma Stone. No way! Yeah. Oh, yeah I way. didn't even realise. Yeah. Her hair's a different colour, so you wouldn't know, but it's, um... Oh, you're you know, so right, her. though. But she is. wants to be a wizard actress. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway. But, we, yeah, we have this whole backstory just justifying this new Dumbledore. And, okay, all of a sudden he's the headmaster of Hogwarts slash owns a jazz piano bar in Hogsmeade. It does seem like a little bit of a conflict of interest, given that he's sending his students out to spend their money in Hogsmeade on the weekends. And we've never heard of him doing this in the previous two movies. No! No, we've never heard of the Hogsmeade weekends before this. He shouldn't be encouraging the students to go to a jazz bar. It's still a bar. These students are underage. Yeah, they're only 13. How did they get John Legend in this movie, either? The budget must have been crazy they were taking a risk they didn't need to take no not at all 
You wouldn't need John Legend in order to draw me into this movie. Sometimes when I watch this movie, I think to myself, because the director is the same director as the guy who did La La Land. Mm-hmm. And this might sound really crazy of me. Do you reckon this was like a trial run for La La Land? Because it's quite a similar plot. It's not exactly the same, but it's quite similar. I, it's just, like, I, I have to agree, and I, I don't want to think that's the case, but it's the whole Ryan Gosling on the stone flashback subplot thing. And why wait over a decade before making actual La La Land? Studio funding, maybe? Maybe. Maybe they wanted us to sort of have a taste for what the movie could be, so that we would be, we'd be primed for it. In, was it like 2018? But why Easter egg it in a Harry Potter film? You know, it doesn't seem like you're hitting your target demographic this way. And by revealing like most of the plot of La La Land, you're sort of losing the edge. No wonder they didn't win the Oscar that year. It's true. You're so right. We are, you know, we're cracking some real mysteries on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We're cinematic detectives. <laughs> that's enough about Dumbledore although it's just really weird they haven't even tried to do like many prosthetics on him either they've given him like a grey wig mm-hmm. but he's his full a full Ryan Gosling unblemished unwrinkled face maybe that's just what magic does with for your complexion maybe they were going with more of a like cosmetic spells exist you know? that's true because didn't J.K. Rowling on Twitter recently say that like it's when she was doing one of her Pottermore, like, news releases. One of her Pottermore bullshits. <laughs> yeah, uh, that <laughs> Wizards and Hogwarts didn't have pl- real plumbing until really recently. But it's oh. okay, because they would go around and, like, shit in their gowns and magic away the shit. They would just go to the toilet where they were standing. I think J.K. Rowling should maybe retire. And I don't like to tell people what to do. Retire from writing or just retire from the Harry Potter world? I would like her... Well, initially I thought maybe she should just retire from the Harry Potter world because she was being annoying on Twitter and it was time to let go. Mm -hmm. And then she started saying some turfy bullshit. And then I thought maybe she should retire from talking to the public. Yeah. Here's (laughs) newsflash if if people are listening and don't know the, the discourse. Uh, J.K. Rowling, like, legitimately and seriously, has been very transphobic recently. Yeah, and that's really upsetting. She has such a huge platform on Twitter. Yeah. And she's abusing that platform to put people's, especially children's, lives at risk. Yeah. It's awful. Kirsten Blurst does not endorse anything J.K. Rowling does or says. No, we're not. We do not endorse J.K. Rowling. This is an anti-J.K. Rowling podcast. Yes, and I'm sad to say because she she didn't seem to be this way at first. No, she brought this on herself, and it is really disappointing given how how big her platform is and how many children she had the ear of. Yeah. She could have done really good things with her platform and chose not to, which is really upsetting. So, fuck J.K. Rowling. And honestly, I, I feel less less bad that her best book has been hijacked by this weird jazz direction. Yeah. I think she deserves that. I'm glad that Jazz Gaban exists. Yeah, me too. Even though I think it's just weird and jarring. Yeah. Should we continue on with the plot? God, this is a, actually a quite a convoluted plot. We're only at the beginning at this point. Well, the plot is a lot for this story. Um, so we mentioned the the choir singing um, and scabbing at the beginning. And all the toads with saxophones. All the toads with saxophones. The saxophone important. budget on this movie through the roof. Then Dumbledore announces that that Hagrid will now be a teacher, our dear friend Hagrid from the first two films. Oh, Hagrid's great. Um, he will now be the teacher of care of magical creatures, um, and then there's an announcement about why the Dementors are there, which is, uh, to catch Sirius Black, who mm-hmm. has escaped from Jaskaban. There is a new teacher, Professor Lupin. Yep. Who was on the train and mm-hmm. banished the Dementor. By playing techno music. Yeah. At the Dementor. Yeah. He just on had... his phone. Yeah, he With had... flip phone, because it was the past. Mm-hmm. 
2004, he had a Nokia flip phone. Yeah. Uh, like many of us did. Like a brick. You can't destroy those. No, exactly. They're invulnerable. He just flipped it open and started playing, like, the crazy frog. Yeah. And it vanished within a minute. So this guy's cool. He's friends with Harry and co. Mm-hmm. He's on the side of justice. Seems to hate jazz. He does. I remember, okay, uh, Professor Lupin was up there. Like I said, serious Black's my favorite character. Professor Lupin was up there for my favorite characters. And I remember thinking of him in the books as, like, very handsome and put together. Yeah, when I read the books, <laughs> I thought that both Sirius and Professor Lupin would be, like, hot. Hot to trot. <laughs> that, they're not very hot in the movies. No, they're not. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the actors themselves are fine people. Yeah. I just think they got their ages way off. Yeah. Like, when Harry's looking at pictures of his parents, they already look like they're in their late 30s. But they're, they're like, 20, right? When, when they die? When, when they, they get killed by bludgeoned by saxophones? Yeah, when when Voldemort bludgeons the potters to death with an alto saxophone, as you mentioned earlier. Horrifying way to die. They are about 21. They're quite young. They're younger than both of us. Yeah. Sirius and Lupin, as, as we find out later in the movie, went to school with them. They are the same age, so... Really, with Harry at 13, they should be only about 34. And they look like they're in their late 40s. Yeah. And that threw me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On a rewatch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, me too. I think as a kid, I was like, all adults look the same age. Oh my god, me too. I thought, like, okay, here's what I thought. I was like, okay, so you're a teenager slash young adult, but when you get to 25, between the ages of 25 and 50, you look sort of like a bit baggy (laughs) and then after that you look old but all old people look the same yeah i'm now plus 25 (laughs) i really hope i don't look baggy i feel baggy but it's quarantine yeah you don't look you look wonderful thank you um i am 25 i turned 25 um only a month ago though it feels like it feels like a hundred years ago <laughs> but I feel like the two of us will look fairly similar at the age of 34. Yeah. We won't look like Sirius and Lupin do in this movie, no. which is old. Though, to be fair, Sirius has had a rough go for the last 13 years. He has been in jazz prison. Yeah. Listening to saxophone day in, day out, unable to sleep. Yeah. For years. The thing about jazz is you can never get used to it. Like, you can't find the rhythm, especially if you're surrounded by people who are like playing saxophones, like with different melodies, different beats. You can't get a rhythm. And if he turns into a dog, which is one of his magic powers, then you know what? Dogs have heightened hearing. It's true. That's only going to make things worse. It is. Um, and so I really did feel for Sirius in this new jazz version of his fate. Lupin, I don't know. I mean, he's. Professor Lupin is a werewolf, mm-hmm. which you can tell by his name. Um, yeah. His name was like Wolfie McWolf. His name was Wolf Wolf. Wolf Wolfson. <laughs> Hi, my name is Wolf Wolfson, and I am not a wolf. <laughs> Professor Remus Lupin. My name is Man Man. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fully human, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Remus Lupin. <laughs> is shockingly a werewolf. I feel like I've lost it. I got made fun of by my teacher in the fourth grade because she asked if anyone knew what the Latin for wolf was. And I said, Canis Lupus. And she said, did you learn that from Harry Potter? Like, yes. I was in the fourth grade. I learned shit from books. How dare I? (laughs) She called you out like that. I was like, where else would I have learned it? Latin class? I'm in the fourth grade. Do you know where I learned that? Where? From my mum repeatedly telling me that uh, loop was French for wolf. Your mum is so good at languages, though. Yeah. <laughs> she, I feel bad for my mum because, because um, she was trying so hard to make me be good at languages and I can only speak one and that's English and barely. <laughs> I can barely speak my own language. I've got English, i got a bit of very mediocre German. That's what I got. I can read French because I'm Canadian. I got scraps of French and a 
and working in Norwegian. That's bad. Maybe I should switch, get up out with Duolingo during this quarantine. Duolingo has been harassing me about my Spanish. Do I even still have Duolingo or, or did I just get frustrated with that bloody owl? If you haven't been getting a lot of harassing emails over the last few weeks, you probably don't still have Duolingo. No, I definitely have it. It just gave up on me. <laughs> Anyway, Professor Lupin is the new defensive against the dark arts teacher. And he's a werewolf. And he's a werewolf. And he... Uh, that doesn't come out till later in the story. There's one scene that confuses me that... Well, it doesn't confuse me. It's just like another weird change they've made. He's teaching the kids about boggarts. Yeah. And boggarts are monsters that can turn into your worst fear. Mm-hmm. They materialize to, to show your worst fear. Yeah. And um, so, like... Neville's worst fear is Snape. So um, Lupin teaches the kids like a, a spell to, to turn a bogger into something like funny to, to combat the fear. Um, so that turns the Snape bogger into Snape wearing Neville's grandma's clothes. Yeah. Very funny. And during the scene, Lupin just puts the crazy frog music on again. Yeah. And he's strange because he seems like the one character who would be into jazz. Like slow, like calm jazz. It does seem like that, and it's really bizarre because he's like this crazy boggart scene, and it's like da 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 bring bring. We all remember the crazy frog. Yeah, um, and I was just quite disappointed that Professor Lupin would be also interested in um the crazy frog, but there we go, and didn't I say? When we were watching this, a boggart is really similar to Pennywise, the dancing clown from It. You did if say you've it. you've ever seen... Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Cursed or Blurred, the podcast where we always talk about It, uh, specifically the movie It 2. <laughs> it just got us, okay? In, in the cinematic masterpiece It 2, there is a clown called Pennywise who turns into children's worst fears. And I think that this film has contextualized Pennywise's powers for us by telling us that Pennywise is in fact a bogger. A bogger. And the kids... <gasps> okay, so the the way to destroy Pennywise is to make fun of it. Well, how do you kill a bogger? You laugh at you it. Call, you say ridiculous. And then you and laugh. And then you laugh at it. Oh my god. Pennywise is a bogger. Yeah. Why is this movie taking place in the same cinematic universe as it? And it too. And therefore, by proxy, if you're a fan of the podcast, you'll know the that cat in the hat. And Mary Poppins. And Mary Poppins. And the Grinch Who Stole Christmas. And also High School Musical. Yes. God, this is weird. It's so weird. I mean, I know that, that Hollywood is is full of interconnections, but this seems excessive to me. But there's, it makes too much sense. It's true. You're absolutely right. God, that's weird. It is. Anyway, so um, Lupin is the new teacher and Harry likes him. And um, Harry, because he's super spooked and scared by the saxophone dementors, is seeking lessons from Lupin, who's teaching him how to cast his Patronus, which is a, a, a magic charm that destroys fear. By playing the crazy frog music. Right, so you, you, cast, you, you, you cast a spell and your sort of like soul animal, like a demon from his dark materials, mm-hmm. sort of jets out of your wand. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, it's so beautiful. But it's horrible. Yeah. And I get that it's meant to be the anti-jazz, but like surely they could have picked something less obnoxious. Yeah. It's like, oh, a beautiful stag patronus. But also the crazy frog. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a bit much. Yeah. So Harry's learning that. There's a lot going on with this plot. There's so much. There's time travel. There's there's betrayal. There's twists. But I think the thing that we really want to talk about is the secret romance that never gets talked about again. Yeah, 100%. And this is also true in the books. Yeah, it's true in the books, um, and it's true in the movie, and um, it just, I feel like they dropped the ball after this book. So for context, before we talk about this, there has been, there have been concerns throughout the movie that Sirius Black 
is trying to get into Hogwarts. Harry overhears it when he's sneaking around Hogsmeade. And he, Sirius Black also seems to have tried to break into Hogwarts a few times. So that all leads to the, to the climax of the film. Mm-hmm. Which takes place inside the Shrieking Shack, which is a, a building that all the students think is haunted at the edge of Hogsmeade, the little village where Dumbledore's Jazz Club is. When trying to defend Hagrid and his um, favourite pet monster, Buckbeak, mm-hmm. so Harry, Hermione and Ron have gone down there to help out, and then Ron gets pulled away mm-hmm. by a dog yeah. into the Shrieking Shack. Underneath the Whomping Willow, which is a big tree that the limbs move around and hit people. Yeah. Um, need I say this dog is barking rhythmically? Yeah. He seems to be doing some sort of rhythmic improvisational jazz. Yeah. How do dogs know how to do that? They don't. No, they don't. Case in point, this is actually a wizard and it's serious black. Mm-hmm. Who can turn into a dog. So, once Harry and Hermione go after Ron into the Shrieking Shack, they discover that this rhythmic dog is, in fact, Sirius Black, escaped felon, um, the titular prisoner of, Az- of Jazkaban. Jazkaban. Yeah. Sadly, not Azkaban. Which is modeled off the prison in San Francisco, Alcatraz. Oh, yeah. Not Jazz. Jazz, yeah. Alcajaz. <laughs> <laughs> Although it should be. Yeah. Would have made it more fun yeah. to be a prisoner of. Um, Sirius Black has run. Sirius Black has run. Harry and Hermione go after him, and very shortly after, Professor Lupin follows. And this is where we get the most epic love story in Harry Potter. The gayest sequence you've ever seen or read with your own two eyes. Yeah. It's a bit gayer in the books because we've got more time. Yeah. They just start making out. Yeah, they do. And I don't understand why there was such a kerfuffle about Dumbledore being gay when we had this scene. It in was book just, three. Yeah, and so in the book they don't actually make out, they just talk a lot about how they used to be like close school friends and there's a lot of like hugging and sort of like vaguely flirtatious chat between the two of them. They haven't seen each other in ages. Lingering gazes, all that. Right, stuff. but in the movie they're making out yeah. instantly. Yeah. And the kids are like, What the fuck? And the kids are very irritated because they're they think that, you know, this is a convicted felon that their professor is making out with. Um, because Sirius and Lupin are both terrible at delivering exposition in a timely manner in this scene. Yeah. Right in the first scene where Ron is taken and Harry and Hermione show up, um, they think that, that Sirius wants to kill Harry. And Hermione and Ron both say, no, you can't help kill Harry, you'll have to go through us. And Sirius goes, only one will die tonight. Yeah. Which is such a melodramatic bullshit thing to say. I know, it's like, okay, so what's going on here? What's going on here? The backstory of this is that I'm not going to do the book version because that's irrelevant. We're a movie podcast. Mm -hmm. So, okay, let's go back in time to when Harry's parents were in school. Harry's dad and Professor Lupin and Sirius Black and the friend Peter Pettigrew are friends. And they're in this acapella jazz troupe called the Marauders. Mm-hmm. And they go around a school singing jazz. And to find the best venues to do the jazz, they've developed a map called the Marauders map, which like shows you where people are like at all times. It's sort of like a surveillance system. So well, it's you, very you, good for sneaking around. But they're only really using it for acapella jazz. Yeah, well, to see where the greatest concentration of people are. So this is where a good right. impromptu busking session would Precisely. Yeah. And so they're friends, and uh, yeah, through this, um, Harry's dad meets Harry's mum, and they start bonking. Lupin and Sirius start bonking, mm-hmm. and Peter's like, I need to get some bonk on. Why mm-hmm. am I being left out? Everyone's having sex apart from me. Mm-hmm. So out of jealousy, he joins Voldemort's evil saxophone choir. Yeah. And the Death Eaters. The Death Eaters becomes a fascist mm-hmm. and then helps to kill Harry's parents with a saxophone. Yeah. And frames Sirius Black for these murders. Mm-hmm. Um, 
whereas Sirius was only trying to help, he was trying to, to, to sound the alarm. Yeah. But Peter, who can also turn into an animal, turns into a rat, uh, faking his own death in the process. Um, leaving Sirius with the blame to spend 13 years in jazz prison. So now that Sirius is out, he very understandably wants to kill Peter. Yeah. Sirius has done nothing wrong, but he does want to do a murder right now. Yes. But it's like a murder that's probably fine to do, in my opinion. Yeah, we're... This is coming from the podcast that last week said it was fine if Quasimodo wanted to kill Frollo. Yeah. Which I stand by. This feels like a Frollo sort of situation. It's fine to murder evil rats. Yeah, you can murder fascist rats... Um, not only is this rat still alive and kicking, he's also been Ron Weasley's pet rat for many years now. Fucking disgusting. The implications of this horrify me. He's probably seen Ron naked. Yep. Ron in the book says when, when Peter turns back into a human, um, I let you sleep in my bed. This is fucked up. Yeah. It's not good. But it, it's messed up. Yeah. And he needs to die. So Lupin has confiscated this, this map from Harry uh, previously and has used the map to find that, that Peter Pettigrew, who he thought was dead and killed by Sirius, is actually still wandering around. So this is why he pieces together mm. that Peter Pettigrew did the crime in the first place and that his boyfriend, Sirius Black, did not do the crime. Did not do the crime. Who he's let rot in Jazkaban for years yeah. because he thought he did the crime. Yeah. So it's a really a tragic love story. Yeah. And and it leads to the most like heartbreaking line of all in the whole movie, where Sirius says, I did my waiting. Fifteen years of it. In Jazkaban. <laughs> God, it's heartbreaking. And you can just see the tears in Lupin's eyes, you know? Yeah. That he doesn't... He's a, he's a very good actor. Yeah. Um, He does a bang-up job. You can see him almost shedding those tears. I felt so bad, but also so happy for them because they were just instantly making out. It's true. Uh, I really, like, admire the the creative team of this movie mm. for making this clearly explicitly gay relationship mm-hmm. like out and out happen. Yeah. Which threatens to happen many times in the books but doesn't. Yep, yeah, it's true. Uh, Lupin ends up with someone else in the books which is just depressing. Yeah. It does feel a bit doomed in the books but the movies took a different tact and I think that was correct. Yeah, but only for this movie and that's the one redeeming feature of, of Jazz Caban I think. I agree. The 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 um the the love cannot last. Snape, S- Severus Snape, the po- the potion teacher, um Alan Rickman, rip in peace. Yeah. Um comes in and he's like, I'm going to snitch on you for because I'm terrible and I'm a fascist and also a homophobe, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna break up this party and stop you murdering this rat because I'm going to murder the two of you. Because I have nothing else to do with my time. Do you like my Snape impression? I love it. Thank you. <laughs> you sound like one of the Potter Puppet pals. <laughs> I hit my head on this. Yeah. <laughs> I found the source of the ticking. It's the pipe bomb. <laughs> we wholeheartedly recommend the Potter Puppet Pals videos. Yeah, anyone who didn't live through the early 2000s and so has not seen the Potter Puppet Pals videos on YouTube, 10 out of 10 early YouTube days. I asked her to dance. She asked me to die. (laughs) 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 Snape comes and ruins the whole party. Uh, by being terrible. Um, and, uh, I think gets knocked out by one of the kids. Uh, yeah, Harry Expelliarmus is his ass. Yep, and he, like, flies backward and knocks his head on the wall. And it's quite funny because they have this, like, funny, like, trumpet sound effect. Like, whenever someone gets, someone gets attacked. Yeah. That's a good jazz thing to add. Like, yeah, it's not so bad. Um, it's a little weird, but not weird for this movie, just weird for the franchise. Yeah. So once they get out of the Shrieking Shack, 
Um, they end up uh, out in just sort of on the outskirts of the Forbidden Forest and uh, the the full moon's at so Professor Lupin turns into a werewolf as though he's forgotten that he's a werewolf. Yeah, it's like why would you <laughs> let it slide in this one night? It comes like it, it comes as a huge surprise to everyone. Yeah, including him. And it's, maybe he was just like so distracted by the fact that his boyfriend came back from mm, prison. Maybe, aren't we all? <laughs> the The Shrieking Shack too, this is this is the Marauders' old club they used to play in. Where they used to practice their acapella. Acapella jazz, yeah. yeah. Um, this is why Lupin's now into techno, because the memories are too painful. Yeah. So then there's this whole thing where, like, they're, they're running away from the werewolf. Meanwhile, the Dementors, like, almost kill Sirius. They're surrounding him with their saxophones and they're pulling out his face and they're pulling out Harry's face but then Harry sees someone cast a Patronus from across the lake and it's this beautiful stag and all he can hear before he passes out is and he wakes up in hospital the school hospital yeah and but it's all okay because it turns out Hermione has been traveling through time this whole last time. Mm-hmm. She's got a time turner that's been allowing her to take extra classes, which I think is irresponsible on behalf of the faculty. If I could turn back time, da da da, I would take all the classes, da 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 da, I would take history and geography and also music. If I could turn back time, that I'd have warned the world about the pandemic. <laughs> um, you thought I wasn't gonna sing this episode? Oh, I was a fool. Um, yeah, Hermione's been casually using a time turner to make it to a whole bunch of extra classes, which just strikes me as irresponsible. Instead of having someone sit her down and say, like, you don't need to take every class. You're a child. Enjoy your life. Mm-hmm. Stop this. Yeah, read there, a book. There will be, but not too many. There will be plenty of time to learn when you're older. Or just at different times. You're so stressed. Stop. Mm-hmm. No, instead they're like, we're going to give you a highly dangerous, volatile, magical time travel equipment. That you just yeah. have, and then can use to save the life of Sirius Black and also Buckbeak, Hagrid's favorite pet monster. Which they do. Which they do, successfully do, at the end of this film. And it's great that they can do that, but why does Hermione have the time turner? That's dangerous. She's 13. Yeah. Like, I get that she's clever, but you can be book smart and also a teenager and an idiot. She's a Gryffindor. Yeah, the they, party house. They do be like that, I say to a Gryffindor. Yeah. What would you do with a time turner, at least? <laughs> what would I do with a time turner? When you were 13. When I was 13. What was I doing when I was 13? Um, I'd have probably, with massive illusions of grandeur, tried to fix major historic events. Mm. Probably would have stopped Hitler being born. Mm-hmm. Probably would have tried. I would have gone to. Here's what I'd have done. I'd have gone too far back in time, and really butterfly affected things. Mm-hmm. And then found myself into in a whole like conundrum. Mm-hmm. When I was thirteen, is that what I would do now? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. But it's true. They just give the time turner to a a thirteen year old, and I think that's what all of us would have done at thirteen. Yeah. Is just like learned one thing about history and then been like I can fix that I have the power yes uh what I would do now though is I would go in the future find cool stuff that got made Mm. take a picture of it on my phone go back to the present day and give that picture to Elon Musk and said get snappy with it let's make this happen now I not to be now listen listeners (laughs) Listen, I know because some of you all listen to me and try and call me out for loving Elon Musk. I don't. But I think if you're going to give one person today cool ideas of sustainable green technology from the future, probably is Elon Musk or someone similar. Mm. If I see in 300 years' time that some cool shit has been done, 
We want to expedite that. Make it snappy. Pr- like, fix the world. Mm-hmm. Green aviation. I'm talking green space travel. Yeah. Talking climate justice. Mm-hmm. I'm talking luxury space communism. <laughs> I'm what talking a vaccine at this point. <laughs> <laughs> thinking of different time scales here but that's probably a good a good starting point <laughs> and then once we're all cured luxury then space luxury space communism. communism i'm with you i am <laughs> but i would also like to leave the house <laughs> and what does hermione do take extra classes yeah and like that's what she's supposed to be doing with it but they had no way of knowing she just has it yeah The whole goddamn time. It's not good. Nope. And, um, so yeah, they use it to to save Sirius Black. Harry goes back in time and realizes it was him that cast the Patronus with the crazy frog. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And they save Sirius and set him on his way to fly off to safety. Um, somewhere without jazz. Somewhere away from the saxophones. Yeah. On Buckbeak. Only lyrical harps for Sirius after this. And <laughs> Sirius is an indie rock kind of guy. Yeah. Um, what was this? A time of Britpop? The 90s? I don't know. Do you reckon Sirius Black was Oasis or Blur? Ah, oh, Blur. You think? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's Blur, but I think Lupin's Oasis. I agree. Yeah. But that's, you know, opposites track. <laughs> Did the Blur versus Oasis thing ever get to Canada? Not really, no. I wasn't... Well, I wasn't very tuned into music during this era. I had a couple albums. They were Abba Gold, The uh, Lion King. Oh, yeah. And I think the Lizzie McGuire movie. Nice. <laughs> I was... I'm definitely on Team Blur because exclusively of the song Park Life. You know this story, but I got (laughs) kicked off of a bus (laughs) when I was in London, Ontario, when I was in Canada, when I was on exchange, I, with a friend, sung the song Park Life quite loudly on a bus, and we were strongly encouraged to leave that bus. Um, But I think Park Life is a great song. And it's a lot better than Wonderwall, so fuck you all. <laughs> and also the Gallagher's suck. Both of them suck. Don't even justify it. Like, both of them suck. I don't know anything about any of these people, so <laughs> sure. Okay, here's some crash course in British history. Mm-hmm. Noel and Liam Gallagher mm-hmm. are the guys from Oasis. They're brothers, and they fucking hate each other. Really? They broke up. The band broke up, I don't know, must have been late 90s. And for like over a decade now, there's been this loud beef between the two of them. And they're like, oh, I hate Liam. Oh, I hate Noel. Weird. It's like Gallagher v. Gallagher. They both suck. <sighs> but neither of them are jazz. So that's good. Mm-hmm. So that's the movie. And again, we, we end with Harry riding off into the distance on Buckbeak. Mm-hmm. To the no, chi- on, a, on a broom. On a broom? Oh yeah, Buckbeak's taken serious. On a broom. To perhaps a day in blue again. Yeah. It's weird. It is weird. It was a bold choice as a motif for this full film. I'm not really sure how it was operating, but they did do their best, I guess. And then Ryan Gosling got fired from being Dumbledore. Yeah. And then the other movies were normal after this. No jazz. That's true. No techno either. No crazy frog. Elise, do you think that Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Jazkaban is cursed, blursed, or blessed? I... It's an interesting one. Because there's a very strong cursed element here mm-hmm. in that they put too much jazz in this movie. Mm-hmm. You couldn't move for jazz. But the film wasn't about jazz. 
Except that there was jazz everywhere, mm-hmm. and there was that stupid Dumbledore subplot that was too similar to La La Land. Yeah. On the other hand, the movie did a very good job of portraying an open and healthy gay relationship. It's true. In the way that the books didn't. Mm-hmm. So, really, there's this crazy juxtaposition here, and I want to hate the film, but you got to admire the, the bravery. The 2004? Yeah. For a kid's movie? That's so great. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say blessed. I have to agree with you. Um, I think you're right. I think um, Sirius and Remus's relationship is fantastic. But the jazz is just frankly baffling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's got to be a blurst for me. Mm-hmm. An engaging blurst, though. Oh, yeah. 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 It, it's it's really perplexing, and it's it's like when you get the box set of the Harry Potter DVDs, like, they all look the same apart from the, the Jazkaban movie, which is, like, Art Deco style. And it, it kind of looks like it should be the Great Gatsby DVD. Yeah. Um, but, but no, it's, it's bizarre. It is. I don't know why they made this choice. I don't know if it was an overture for La La Land. I just don't get it. Oh, me neither. But it's keeping us entertained to watch these movies in the quarantine, so whatever. That's true. They're very right. Thanks for joining us this week on, uh, Cursed or Blurred. Yeah, if you're bored. <laughs> if you're bored. <laughs> if you're bored. <laughs> <laughs> listen to us. <laughs> we have many more podcast episodes for you to listen to. You can find us by searching Cursed or Blurred into Google. Um, and we are on most podcasting platforms. We're not on SoundCloud. We don't have to explain why. Uh, we just have beef with them. It's true. And I also have beef with EasyJet for different reasons. Don't we all? Boycott, EasyJet, boycott SoundCloud. (laughs) Um, and, um, boycott Jazz. Yeah. I think our work here is done. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. See you next week.